Big Hero 6 takes place in the fictional city of San Francisco, which is something we definitely need to talk about. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to this medical robot powered episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, the only podcast where we talk exclusively about fun science fiction movies, TV shows, and more. No post-apocalyptic downer sci-fi allowed. My name is Todd Kinsley, and with me as always is my relatable, debatable, inflatable co-host and brother, Scott Kinsley. How are you doing today, Scott? Uh, doing pretty good. I know people were waiting to hear that. Big Hero 6 is a 2014 American animated superhero film produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures. It was inspired by Marvel Comics of the same name created by Man of Action. What was competing with Big Hero 6 in 2014, Scott? Oh, up against Big Hero 6 was John Wick Interstellar. And The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. So the charming story of an assassin who takes revenge upon his former employers whose evil son decided to mess with him and more importantly killed his dog. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty good competition, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, considering how many movies that spawned, it's very good competition. Would I go on a murder spree against someone who killed my dog? Yes, I would. Yep, I can see that. I think most dog owners probably would. As far as Interstellar goes, I can barely remember that that movie. Yeah. Something to do with space travel. Yep, it did indeed. I couldn't tell you what, but apparently a lot of people liked that one. So clearly we're big fans of the Interstellar. <laughs> wah, wah. And what'd you say the third one was? Ah, uh, Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Part 1. Ah, The Hunger Games, the lovely story of children forced to fight to the death. And boy, they embrace it pretty quickly in that movie, the way I remember it. I mean, I don't remember specifically, was it, you say, Part 2 or 3? Ah, uh, this was like the first part of the last two. Uh, that's right, because when Hollywood decided that if they take a trilogy, they can break up the longer sections into more movies and make even more money. And for some reason, the charming tale of children forced to murder each other in a giant fighting dome uh, really, really tugged on the heartstrings of readers, specifically younger female readers. You yeah. think it was just because females were also murdering children? Is that Was that the big draw for Hunger Games? Uh, I think the big draw was whether you were Team Edward or Jacob. Wait, that was a different movie franchise? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I never really understood the popularity of the Hunger Games, but then again, I don't think it was written uh, towards me specifically or for me, so maybe I just didn't get it. Although I did hear that the books are far better than the movies, so maybe that's why I don't understand, because I've only seen the films. Maybe. I mean, I think you hit on a big thing. It was a female empowerment movie. The lead character being a, well, a badass girl who can 
kill other people. Who is better at murdering children than... She could murder better than all the other kids. I would say um, that's some pretty stiff competition for Big Hero 6. But uh, Big Hero 6 still did pretty well. Well, Out of that list, I think it's the only one that would have been geared towards a, a family crowd or younger crowd. Big Hero 6 earned $222.5 million in North America and $435.3 million in other territories for a worldwide estimated total of $657.8 million. Calculating in all expenses, Deadline estimated that the film made a profit of $187.34 million. Worldwide, it is the highest grossing animated film of 2014, the third highest grossing non-Pixar animated film from Disney, and the 16th highest grossing animated film of all time. Nice. So I think it did okay. Yeah, it did manage to spawn a TV series and cartoon animated version. Actually, it managed to spawn two. Really? Because there's one coming. Actually, I don't know if it has arrived or not, but it was supposed to be coming in 2020 called Baymax. And that was actually going to be on the lovely streaming service, Disney Plus. Oh, cool. Because, you know, Disney Plus needs more more good shows. <laughs> they all need more good shows. Disney's just doing better at it, I think. Well, I think they had a big head start by buying up everything good right before they launched the service. Very smart move. Like they had Star Wars and Marvel, and then they launched, plus, you know, however, 60 years of Disney or 100 years of Disney. <laughs> Jeez. So they had a big head start on everyone else, and they're they're still managing to uh, stay ahead of the competition at this point. Although they do seem to lack as much new material as some of the other streaming services, like Netflix. I think they just uh, green light films overnight, every night. <laughs> like, how many things did you green light tonight? Oh, we're at four more series and two more Netflix films. Oh, okay, great. Disney, kind of, it's kind of a big deal if there's actually something new on the platform, and like, oh, look. It's a new episode of WandaVision. Wow. Maybe they'll actually get to what the point of the show is this week. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, they finally got to it. It just took four episodes. Yeah, I wonder how many people they lost doing that. They lost me, and it was literally just a case of there is absolutely nothing else I want to watch. I had to just try it again because there was nothing else. And eventually they got to it. They're like, oh, this is the point. But today we're here to talk about Big Hero 6, which, as I mentioned before, was produced by Disney for Disney. It was inspired by a Marvel comic. I think uh, Disney must be pretty happy that they bought Marvel. I'd say it's worked out for them fairly well. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has. They've only produced some of the biggest films of all time. We should have bought Marvel when we had the chance. (laughs) We had that, that billion sitting in our account, and we should have just bought Marvel with it. I told you. And getting back to Big Hero 6, uh, it had, you know, a somewhat well-known cast. It depends on who you are. Scott Adsit played the voice of Baymax. Ryan Potter played voice of Hero. Daniel Henney played the voice of Tadashi. TJ Miller played the voice of Fred. Jamie Chung played the voice of Gogo. Damon Wayans Jr. played the voice of Wasabi. And I guess he's one of the few that decided not to reprise his role in the animated series. Oh. They probably couldn't afford him, would be my guess. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. 
Genesis Rodriguez played the voice of Honey Lemon. James Cromwell played the voice of Robert Callahan. And our good buddy Alan Tudyk played the voice of Alistair Cree. Ah, Alan. Yeah, I think we're going to have to uh, talk about Alan Tudyk for just a second. For he is currently starring in the lovely sci-fi series Resident Alien, which is, I believe, now on Sci-Fi Channel? Yes. Uh, We've been watching that for a few weeks. And what do you think of Resident Alien, Scott? I really want to like this show, but it seems to be kind of hit or miss. Episode one, you know, was kind of a eh. Episode two was a lot more fun. That episode three kind of went back to eh. Yeah, it's a little dark for my taste. Um, I was really hoping for a more straightforward comedy as opposed to a dark comedy, which also lends itself to the theme of our podcast, which is we want to talk about fun sci-fi and Resident Alien. I guess it's fun at parts, but it also is kind of dark and it tries to be a little weird. It's like it's trying to be a more serious Northern exposure. Okay. How's that for an old TV reverence? Very nice. Very nice. Um, Or... I don't know. Invader Zim. <laughs> it's it's just dark. It gets really dark. And I think if given Alan Tudyk's comedic timing and sensibilities, I think it could have been something really funny and really fun as opposed to kind of creepy and occasionally fun, which is where they landed. What do you think out there, listeners? Drop us a line at party at super sci-fi party.com and let us know what you think about resident alien or hit us up at our socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, let us know what you think about that. We're still trying to figure it out. Big hero six is from Walt Disney animation studios, and it was created by the team behind princess and the frog frozen and wreck it Ralph. Nice. It's an action packed comedy adventure about the special bond that develops between Baymax an adorable plus-size inflatable robot, and prodigy Hiro Hamada. I like that name, Hiro Hamada. <laughs> nice. I'm changing my name to Hiro. With an I, not an E, right? Uh, Yeah, I could live with the I. It's interesting that it actually is from the team that did Wreck-It Ralph, because I said when, when we were re-watching it in preparation for this episode, I said, wow, when Hero kind of turns his head and makes a certain motion with his face that he looked just like the princess from Wreck-It Ralph, and it turns out it's from the same animation team, so I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you can definitely see uh, some similar styles as far as the character design goes. And also, when looking at the animation style, I think that Hero's Ant reminds me of the Jane Lynch character from Wreck-It Ralph. So maybe they have a whole kind of style that they like to do from the Wreck-It Ralph team. I like it. It just kind of reminded me a lot of some of the characters, like a lot. Big Hero 6 takes place in the fictional city of San Francisco, which is something we definitely need to talk about. (laughs) The reason why Disney wanted to merge Tokyo, which is where the comic book version takes place with San Francisco, was partly because San Francisco had not been used by Marvel before, and partly because of all the city's iconic aspects, and partly because they felt its aesthetics would blend well with Tokyo. 
A filmmaker's idea was that San Francisco is based on an alternate history in which San Francisco was largely rebuilt by Japanese immigrants in the aftermath of the 1906 earthquake, although this premise was never stated in the film. Now, that's an interesting idea that there's alternate history. I wondered if it had some kind of something to do with the future that Japan had bought most of America, but apparently <laughs> it was just a little experiment in alternative history. Which seems like that's a genre that's become very popular in sci-fi, alternate history. Definitely. I mean, they they did it great, though. Adding the little uh, Japanese architectural touches into the iconic San Francisco skyline is just great. Yeah, it's definitely a very nice looking film. And actually, to populate the fictional city of San Francisco, the team used a software program called Denzian which was used to create over 700 distinctive characters for the background of the city. Nice. They also used another piece of software to automatically create over 10,000 different trees to populate the city. So there was a lot of um, software automation, I guess, going into the animation of this film, which was not something that I realized was happening, and it's probably happening even more now if this was back in 2014. Uh, apparently, they use a lot of computing power to generate background material, which I had no idea was a thing. Did you? Uh, kind of in video games. I didn't realize they were using it you know, in animation, but it makes sense. If you can have something generate this stuff, probably semi-randomly, instead of having you know, an individual artist go through and go, well, there needs to be a tree here, and let's put a blade of grass here. A happy little tree. Yeah, the happiness of the trees is determined by a different software. Young people have no idea what we're talking about. But we'll put a happy little tree here (laughs) and a happy little cloud here. Well, there's definitely no argument that Big Hero 6 was well-received. Last time I checked, it had an 86% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And at the 87th Academy Awards, it was winner for Best Animated Feature. So I think it did all right. Ooh. I think making triple digits worth of uh, millions of dollars and winning an Academy Award for Best Feature definitely puts you up there in terms of popularity for your film, which makes it curious that it's now 2020 and we have seen no sequel. It's a very good point. You think they just decided that the original animated series was enough, which I believe was not even put out by Disney. I think it was licensed to someone else. And then, of course, the new Baymax that's going to be on Disney+. Plus. But you think they would have gone for the jugular and really raked in the cash from doing a full-on sequel. Maybe it's because the story had such a definitive beginning and end. Big Hero 6 starts with an awesome scene that depicts a topic that is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, It's robot fighting. Because we fully believe that robots should be forced to fight in a pit against each other to the death. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I agree. And we are being serious because we do love to watch the television program Robot Wars, in which robots fight to the death on TV for our amusement. you have anything to say about Robot Wars? I'm very jealous of all the knowledge they have to build these really cool robots that then go into the ring and get destroyed by an opponent or destroy someone else's creative endeavor. It's interesting. If you don't know anything about Robot Wars, the images that it puts into your head, 
are not what you would see, if you, at least in most people's heads. If you if you were to guess what Robot Wars was, you would assume that they were humanoid-like robots who punch and kick and use weapons on each other, and that's not really the case at all. Somehow the rules of Robot Wars or the practicality of robot fighting has led to a style of robot where most of them kind of look like a metallic wedge with wheels. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it's a little more... Uh remote control cars fighting with really cool weapons and not so much what was that movie real steel with hugh jackman right where it was like the big boxing robots like you said the humanoids where they actually looked like robots no they they do look more like remote control car wedges that are basically weapons platforms where they'll put on the chopper or the puncher or the the flipper now, don't underestimate them. Some of these things can weigh upwards of, I think, 250, 250 pounds is the weight limit on most of them. Yeah, I think that's the big restriction is there's a certain weight limit and that's all the bigger that you can have your robot or robots be. <laughs> Sometimes they try to put the little the little tiny side robot that has the flamethrower. Yep. Or the occasional, they haven't had it a lot lately, but the drones that had the downward-facing flamethrower. That's right. But for the most part, the flamethrowers don't seem to do a whole lot. No. Unless they happen to really get on their target and stay there burning the robot for a long time. It doesn't really seem to do much. I think it's because all the components are inside of metal and they're fairly protected. Yep. Or at least on most of the robots. Uh, There was another robot fighting show that we watched for a season, and I can't remember the name of it, but they actually had robots that looked more like Transformers. They were giant. They were bipedal with two legs and two arms, and most of them had a head. And they would battle each other in the middle of the ring, but they were not completely, I guess, autonomous. I don't know if that's the word. They were connected by power lines. They, they were too big, they were too large, I guess, to be powered by battery, uh, which is what the robots and Robot Wars uh, use. They're all battery-powered and remote-controlled. But in this other fighting league, they had giant power lines coming off the back of them. Um, that, to me, was more fun. Uh, it would have been better without the power lines, but I thought it was a fun show. We're talking about Robot Combat League, which stars WWE's Chris Jericho. And it was on the Sci-Fi Network. And I think, I kind of wish the channel had gone more in that direction rather than what amounts to uh, what looks like remote control cars fighting, basically. Don't get me wrong, I still love Robot Wars, but I think there's something, I guess, inherently more entertaining in seeing the robots that are actually humanoid. And let's face it, the robots that remind us of Transformers. Yes. (laughs) Actually battling each other. I think if they could have eventually worked out the problem of the batteries so they didn't have to be hooked to giant cables, I think that league might have overtaken Robot Wars in popularity. I'm sure somebody's still working on it somewhere because the dream of giant fighting robots has been a theme um, in sci-fi for quite a while. Uh, Different films and shows, and I think we're probably going to see it eventually realized as a legit robot fighting league. And maybe by legit, they will actually have rules of how to progress as opposed to Robot Wars, which seems to have some kind of loose structure regarding how to advance, but it seems like basically it's whoever the producers want to go on to the next round, regardless of the win-loss win ratio, which is something I've always found sketchy about Robot Wars. 
that and the ability to change your robot in between matches so you can better gear your weapons towards your opponent. Yeah, I don't understand putting on different parts. Boxers and wrestlers and whoever don't get to MMA, they don't get to put on different arms and legs to fight different opponents. It should be your bot is your bot. But the bot we're talking about with Big Hero 6, um, I actually can't remember the name of his bot at the beginning, but Hero has a little fighting robot that seems to do very well in what appears to be an underground robot fighting ring. And he's actually so good that he hustles some kind of uh, scummy guy who I think we're supposed to believe is some kind of gangster. And he hustles him at robot fighting, which of course gets the film kicked off with a bang. And I think the whole point is to teach us that Hero is good at robotics. Yes. And he's a prodigy at robotics. Well, yes. Most, um, I'm not sure how old Hero is supposed to be, but most people in grade school are not able to construct and fight their own autonomous fighting robots. So, yeah, I believe he's 14. If I remember right, in the movie, he had graduated high school at 13. Really? Yes. I don't think I ever caught that, but I will take your word for it. Anyway, Hero is a prodigy and somewhat of a genius, but his older brother thinks he's squandering his talent by hustling people at robot fighting instead of doing something truly great. So Hero's older brother, Tadashi, actually is a student at some kind of university or research facility where they do all kinds of super fun high-tech things. And he decides to trick Hero into joining him at the facility and meeting all his friends. And I thought, to me, this was actually my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. I know it's not supposed to be. We're supposed to be caught up in the adventures that go on later in the film. But I just really love the fact that all the cool people in the film were the intelligent people, the geniuses, who were there working on advances in scientific technology. And Hero got to go person to person and meet the whole member of his brother's friend gang, basically. And each one had some kind of different sci-fi, futuristic... I mean, it was intended to be science, but to us in the current day, it would be sci-fi or near sci-fi. Magic. Yeah, no. <laughs> some, some kind of project that each was working on that would advance science as we know it and would also be really cool to a 14-year-old. And this convinces Hero that he wants to be part of the organization, that he must go to this school... And so he decides to come up with a project on his own. Hero comes up with, I always want to call them nanobots, but they're not actually small enough to be nanobots. So he calls them microbots. <laughs> I believe they're about an inch in size. And they basically work together like nanobots in most sci-fi shows where they can build shapes together. They they're controlled by some kind of thing that he wears on his head and he can make them into various shapes such as pillars and columns and arms that do things. And this is definitely where we get into the sci-fi aspect of Big Hero 6. Absolutely. And when you said microbots, I really wanted it to be some kind of Transformers, you know, competitor like the GoBots, the Microbots, the blah, blah. Uh, the I mic just looked, there is no Microbots spinoff version. The Micronauts. Micronauts, maybe? From, yeah. from when we grew up. Ooh. They were the transparent-looking action figures. They were the most awesome ones. The ones that I never received. Every what? Christmas, I would look at those catalogs, and there would be the Micronauts. And they looked like the coolest thing ever. 
And we didn't really know what they were because I don't think they had a TV show when they started. No, no, they or did a not. comic book or anything. They were just, I think someone just created them. It might have been based on a comic book. I'm not sure, but they were shiny and cool. They were action figures were big at the time, and young boys and even young girls were into action figures, especially in the wake of Star Wars. Oh yeah. You could buy little plastic versions of whoever you saw in your favorite movie one day there in the old JCPenney catalog, or possibly Sears, or possibly Best, <laughs> or possibly Toys R Us, where they had little action figures, but they were made of semi-transparent, or I guess you would say translucent plastic. Yep. So they looked very futuristic compared to their crudely painted counterparts. They were semi-transparent plastic, and then it appeared that parts of them were metal, like they might have a metal head or metal crotch, the crotch area where the <laughs> the legs and the abdomen connected to each That's other. the important stuff, the yeah. metal crotch. What, the metal crotch? And to me, they were the coolest looking things in the world, but I never actually got one. Actually, I don't think um, you ever got one. No. Nope. Or our other brother, Brian, I don't recall having any Micronauts. Nope, I think we were like right at the edge of aging out when they came on the market, and then they kind of disappeared before our younger brother got into it. Yeah, you don't want to be the 16-year-old at high school hanging out with your Micronauts. Now, the full-grown adult at the office with the Micronauts and every toy from the 80s on a shelf, that's somehow cool, right? Uh, well, it depends on who you ask, but it's quite socially acceptable now to have all the toys you want surrounding you all day, especially if you're a creative and you work in a field where you use a computer. Um, if you're an artist or you do sound or programming or whatever it is, you can have all the toys you want around you as long as they're on shelves and you pretend to be a collector, quote unquote. You don't let people see you staging fights on your desk with them? That's right. You only do that when no one else is around. As long as you pretend that you collect them, quote unquote. Not that that's happened. No, not at all. Mm -mm. Not, not that we're in my audio studio now looking at uh, things. <laughs> <laughs> For example, there's the miniature size Jason from Friday the 13th and the miniature size Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, both known as Funko Pop versions. <laughs> There, you just upped your street cred. You got pops. Over there is the soft plush version of Strong Bad, who, if I wanted to reach over there and grab him, could say something to the audience, but maybe we'll save that for later. There's a little UFO over there and a glowing skull over there and a plush emoji that came out of our fabulous claw machine that we had at our escape room. Ah, the claw machine. Ah, the escape room. There's a story for another time. Mm. But getting back to our main story today, <laughs> Tadashi basically convinces Hiro that he must also go to the school that Tadashi attends and be in the fantastic, I guess it's kind of like a science gifted program. Yep. And towards that end, Hiro creates the fabulous microbots, which are a staggering advancement. But of course, something goes wrong and they are having a science expo, I guess. Science fair? I think it's the competition for admission. That's what it is, just to try to get into the school. And Hero is outside, and something seems to go terribly wrong inside. There's an explosion or a fire or something. You don't really know what it is. Uh, to make a long story short, the whole point is that Hero's brother, Tadashi, explodes or burns to death. 
I think, well, he explodes inside the building and his brother dies. The end. Roll credits. Thanks for coming while we talked about this happy, upbeat, fun sci-fi. No. <laughs> but the whole the whole point is that his brother passes away and he's depressed about this for some reason instead of really happy and counting all his new possessions that he inherited. You know, not that I would do that. <laughs> nice. Not that I would do that. <clears throat> but eventually, Hero's in a funk. And it turns out the big Project Hero's brother, Tadashi, had been working on somehow survived the giant explosion at the research lab where it lived, which I don't understand why it wasn't incinerated. Because when he showed it to him at the lab... Did he show him at the lab or did he show him at the house? I think he showed it to him at the lab. Hmm. But anyway, to make a long story short, an inflatable robot called Baymax is what Tadashi had been working on. And he was created to be an inflatable medical robot, which actually is something that was uh, inspired by real life. Because early on in the development process of the movie, the design team took a research trip to Carnegie Mellon University's Robotic Institute, which is in the United States, where they met a team of researchers who were pioneering the field of soft robotics using inflatable vinyl. Ooh. So it turns out this science fiction is actually based on some science fact, as a lot of science fiction is. And that is, in fact, what Hiro's brother Tadashi had created was a soft vinyl inflatable robot who was made to be a medical robot and help repair humans and comfort humans, which might have been why he made them soft and inflatable so he could make them huggable. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that would come in handy, huh? And the medical robot's name is Baymax. And Baymax, basically the whole rest of the film is about Hero's relationship to Baymax and how basically it's about how Baymax helps Hero overcome the grief of losing his brother. Doesn't that sound like fun sci-fi? Uh, let's not forget the revenge aspect, though. Yeah, that comes later. But basically the film is about grief and actually even uh, grief of one of the main villains. But trust us, it's more fun than it sounds. <laughs> it's the fun, the fun sci-fi tale of getting over grief of a dead loved one. Huzzah! Nothing's more fun than that. I imagine all the children that absolutely love Baymax think about that all the time. They're like, wow, it's a touching tale of grief. <laughs> so at this point in the movie, Hero still has one of his microbots. While he's playing with Baymax, more or less, uh, the microbot starts getting a little crazy and agitated and moving around inside of a little Petri dish. And he's confused because that should only happen if the other microbots are still active and trying to call out to the, the missing piece. So at this point, Baymax kind of uses the Petri dish like a compass and tracks down where the microbot is trying to go to, and Hero follows along because he's trying to figure out what's going on. To make a long story short, they use the one remaining microbot to try to track down. It's being called by something which presumably would be other microbots because that's its purpose is to be part of the collective and to be used collectively to create shapes and do whatever the... uh, person who's telepathically in charge of it says which sounds far more confusing than it is it's just a bunch of little robots that form shapes and levers and whatnot basically they can kind of do anything which is the sci-fi part right yes 
To make a long story short, the large number of microbots that Hero created for his project to get into the school still exist. They were not destroyed in the explosion on the night that his brother died. And in fact, someone has taken control of them and he appears to be using them for nefarious purposes. That is to say, he's kind of a supervillain. Dun, dun, dun. So since there is a supervillain, we need superheroes. So Hero, H-I-R-O, decides to create a suit of armor for Baymax and try to turn him into some kind of flying, fighting robot. Although he does not go on robot wars. <laughs> He'd clean up there, man. Uh, would he? Or would he be destroyed because he's inflatable? That's true. He did have the carbon nano frame underneath. Uh, That's true. And well, he can fly and shoot weapons and stuff. He doesn't seem to be flame resistant or chopping arm resistant. No, nah, he, he does use scotch tape to patch holes. So. <laughs> I don't think that uh, I would want to be in the ring with anything from Robot, with anything <laughs> from robot Wars. No. Hundreds of pounds of metal coming at you, shooting flames and with blades and pounding hammers. I think I would pass on that. I'll do it. All right. Bring it on. You heard it here. Scott Kinsley from Super Sci-Fi Party will be fighting in Robot Wars this season as the only human contestant. Yep. Although I need to get a good disguise so they think I'm a robot. We could make you a cardboard costume. Spray paint it shiny silver on the outside. It'll last yeah. the first five seconds <laughs> until they light you ablaze and you run around the ring screaming. Or until one of the vertical spinners, you know, lops off a limb or something. Yikes. Mm. But a hero tries to turn Baymax into a fighting robot with mixed results. <laughs> he is able to make him fly, which yeah. I think is a major point in the movie that he puts on a big pair of attachable uh, wings. And they do address the soft vinyl part by giving him armor. He gets armor and wings, and he basically looks kind of like, well, he looks like a Japanese fighting robot <laughs> or something from a uh, Godzilla movie. Yeah. Like a robot or, well, more accurately, he looks more like something from Japanese anime. Although, because Baymax is very large, he's kind of stuffed into his armor. <laughs> it made me think that um, Baymax might be an appropriate Halloween costume for me in the future. <laughs> we could stuff me into some kind of armor. All right. We'll have to start working on that. And it turns out that Tadashi's friends, that is to say Hero's brother's friends, mm -hmm. decide to come around and try to cheer Hero up in the wake of his brother's death. Yep. Baymax sends out a text to all of them to say that Hero needs some emotional support. And that's when they show up. So that's how you get friends to show up. Yeah, your medical robot texts them and says, hey, come on over. Excellent. I wish I had known that like a decade ago. <laughs> All of Tadashi's old friends also decide to adopt superhero personas based on technology that they were working on at the lab. I believe it's all to help fight the supervillain. Yes. And one of them... Who, whose name escapes me in the second, uh, actually had some cool technology because she was working on a bicycle that had zero gravity wheels where they were just floating there attached to the frame through some kind of force field, I think, to make it so it's a zero friction system so the bicycle would go faster. But then in her superhero persona, 
She at one point could throw the wheels and it looked like Tron deadly disc to me. Yes. <laughs> she was throwing them around and I wondered if Disney did that on purpose, if it actually was a tribute to Tron or if it just happened to be coincidence. I choose to believe it was a tribute. We'll always take a shout out to Tron. Yeah, the team as assembled goes out, just track down the villain and then gets overpowered because they haven't come together as a team yet. Teamwork makes the dream work. That's right. Although DreamWorks had nothing to do with this. <laughs> nice. Just wanted to throw that in there. To make a long story short, uh, the rest of the film is basically heroes superhero team coming together to eventually defeat supervillain who it turns out was the doctor that was in charge of their fantastic university research program he was driven by the grief of losing his daughter during an earlier experiment and this caused him to be a supervillain who then decided to fight hero and his friends or i guess he was basically defending he was going for revenge against the evil company that lost his daughter he was, but Hero and his friends had nothing to do with that, so I guess no. he was just defending himself when they oh. came to uh, look for him. I'm sorry. Yes, you are correct. It's uh, your basic supervillain story where there's a twist at the end, and somebody who you didn't think could be the supervillain is the supervillain, and they fight it out, and in Disney style, no one dies, except the people who already died. Yes. It's quite the story. But the team did manage to save the his lost daughter, though. Oh, that's right. There's the whole subplot of going into a pocket dimension where she had been staying since a failed experiment earlier. Yes, she was in stasis inside of the pocket dimension. You know, we're making this sound incredibly difficult when it didn't seem that difficult when we were watching it. I guess it was. There was a lot of sci-fi happening in the film. But basically, the whole movie is about how the superhero team forms um, created by all the different science students and how they all come together to become heroes and defeat a supervillain that is also science-powered. It's really cool. It's a really cool movie. Um, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. It's one of those things like Harry Potter where I didn't see it right away when it was really popular. I saw it later and I had kind of formed an opinion about what I thought it was going to be like based on things I had seen. I mean, there were McDonald's Happy Meals. There was a TV show, an animated weekly show. And I had kind of opinions about what I thought it was going to be. And then I saw a movie and I actually liked it much better. Uh, which is the same thing that happened with Harry Potter. People told me for years that I needed to read the books and I didn't. And I kind of thought Harry Potter was stupid. And then when I finally <laughs> read it, it became the basis of all life as I know it for a while. And it turned out to be fantastic. And actually, I think Big Hero 6 is the same way. If you just see the big inflatable uh, robot doing his little blah, 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 whatever it is he does. Which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> it's... Uh, you kind of think, okay, this is just for little kids. and But it actually is a fun sci-fi flick. A um, little bit of an action-adventure flick, really, with some cool um, robotics. And that's my favorite thing about the whole show is that it's all based around, even though it's science fiction, there's a lot of science fact that it's based on. And the cool people in the show are all scientists or would be, you know, studying to be scientists. I guess they are scientists. They are. 
and that people with high intelligence and who are in STEM and who are working with robotics and futuristics of all kinds are actually celebrated and that they get to be the cool superheroes. Um, But it's really like, I guess, kind of the underlying message. I know the movie is about coming together and overcoming grief and overcoming the past and being heroic, but there's kind of a subplot running through it as a thread that says science is cool and being smart is cool and research is cool. And of course, robotics and technology is cool. I just kind of like that whole sub thread throughout the whole thing. What about you, Scott? Yep. It's a very awesome message that gets weaved into the story. Like you said, it's all about, hey, science is worthy. It is a good pursuit. And maybe you can be a superhero if you do it. We're not worthy. We're scum. (laughs) We suck. Hey, shout out to all the people who saw the Wayne's World Super Bowl commercial. It looks a little weird to see what what appears to be a 110-year-old Garth. (laughs) But Wayne's holding in there. Poor Dana Carvey. Wayne's holding in. He's doing all right. He's still recognizable as Wayne, but Garth kind of looked like a mummy in in a Garth week. Dana Carvey, we know you're a regular listener. (laughs) Yeah. Um, um, we we still love you. It's okay. Oh, we absolutely love Dana Carvey, <laughs> and he was still funny. He just he really, awesome. he's just really showing his age. I think he might be a bit older than Mike Myers. Yeah, I think so. So it's not really fair, but uh, it was great to see Wayne's World in any. I'll take Wayne's World in any form. Yeah, they're they're holding up. I, think. I don't care if they're literally mummies. <laughs> they prop them up and have people do the voices behind them. I don't care. It's Animatronic still, Wayne's World. All right, it's still Wayne's World. Come on. So that's basically the whole plot of Big Hero 6. And I think the thing that makes it unique is all its attention to science and technology and STEM. And I really don't understand why they haven't made a sequel. We'll have to try to find out. It seems like when I read about it, they, of course, had had talked about it. But maybe, you know, it takes a long time to make a sequel to an animated feature because they take so long to draw. True. Even with all the animation and things they do these days... Uh, through computers to assist them, it still takes a couple of years to put out a full animated feature, right? Yes. So maybe they were going to, and then the pandemic hit. I don't know. We still might see a Big Hero 6 Part 2, but I'm kind of doubting it at this point. Of course, the way the film cycle works now, I wouldn't be surprised if they do a reboot. <laughs> like, well, it's been five. It's been five years. We could just reboot it. Big Hero Seven, yeah. Big Hero Six, in five D. <clears throat> An inflatable Baymax pops out from under your seat in the theater, and you can punch him or hug him depending on how you're inclined. Sweet. Now I really want to see that. <laughs> then someone has to come out and wipe him off with alcohol in between and deflate him and stuff him back under your seat. Sounds fun. Yeah, we need to invent that. Yes. Well, Scott, do you have any final thoughts on the fabulous Big Hero 6 by Disney this week? Yes. This one's going to get a little bit off on a tangent, but... Well, we never do that. Not usually. So, um, to me, the the Big Hero 6, in particular, Hero's Hero Journey... H-I-R-O. Is Iron Man. All right, now bear with me. So, he creates this stuff... All right, and then bad guys get a hold of this stuff and use it for bad things. So then he goes and makes a suit of armor, although this time for Baymax, not himself. 
and then goes out to get his stuff back, you know, to stop the bad guys from using his initial invention against humanity. And that, that that's it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see where you could make an argument that it is similar to Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. Which doesn't surprise me since it is based on a comic book by Marvel. Uh, as far as my final thoughts on Big Hero 6, I think there is a lot to be said for sci-fi that encourages science. And I hope kids that like it don't just love the inflatable, huggable robot, but I hope they also take a little bit of the message that science is cool and being smart is cool. And I hope that kind of seeps into their love of Big Hero 6 as the new series on Disney Plus takes place. It sounds kind of like I'm hawking Disney Plus. I wish we were getting a kickback, don't you? Yeah, we got to work on that. Well, we certainly hope you had a fun time hanging out with us today talking about Big Hero 6 on Super Sci-Fi Party Podcast. If you'd like to tell us what you think about Big Hero 6, Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or send us an email at party at super sci That's party at super sci We'd be more than happy to hear from you. Remember, you can also learn more about the show by visiting our website, which is super sci And if you enjoy Super Sci-Fi Party, please pass it along to your awesome sci-fi loving friends. We need your help to spread the word about fun science fiction. I'm serious. Right now, copy the link to Super Sci-Fi Party and paste it into a text to one of your cool sci-fi friends and help us out. Without you, there will be no fun in sci-fi. Wait, did that make sense? (laughs) You put the fun in (laughs) sci-fi? Fun is in sci-fi as to you are the what? Eh, what? Only you can have fun in sci-fi. Only you can have fun in (laughs) sci-fi. Until next time for Super Sci-Fi Party, I'm Todd Kinsley. I'm Scott Kinsley. And in the immortal words of Doc Brown from Back to the Future, the future is what you make it. So make it a good one. Hasta la vista, everybody. See you. This one's going to get a little bit off on a tangent, but... Well, we never do that.